Hello, and welcome to Bite Size Podcast, the show where we give you big ideas bite-sized. I'm Tally. I'm Adrian. And we are talking more about aliens and the government involvement in their possible cover-up, um, and also acknowledgement of UFOs. So, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, regular old alien stuff. Yeah. We're still doing it. Like you do. Yeah, I've been, actually, since this whole series started, like, I have been absorbing so much alien media. It's, like, more than I have in literally years. Dude, um, for real. Yeah, so I've convinced all of my friends here in the park to watch uh, The X-Files Underneath the Stars. Nice. Because uh, we have, like, a projector that we set up in front of, like, the housing office in the employee village that's cool just been watching the x-files and that's been really sick and then also something that i totally forgot to bring up with our pop culture episode um they live (laughs) which combines two of my favorite things which is an absolute detest of capitalism (laughs) and also aliens like a dingus also isn't i think that's uh is that a romero film as well or is no it's john carpenter right 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 so right. yeah like all of my favorite things in one thing and i can't believe that i forgot that one drop that That's fucking really ball <laughs> dude i know i know that was already like a pretty long episode though so yeah that was our longest one um to date i think yeah it was pretty so thanks for sticking in us yeah kids. yeah so uh, how have you been uh good good um I wanted to do a quick callback to us being a Will Smith <laughs> tribute podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was the last night after Noah got home. Uh, he was telling me about some actor, and I don't really know people's names. Like, it's I, it's not information I store. Um, so he mm-hmm. kept repeating the guy's name, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. And, he, and Noah's getting all frustrated. He's like, well, he's like, you know, like a really famous actor. And I was like, well, apparently he's not. And right as he was saying, I know he's not Will Smith. I was saying he's clearly no Will Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a type. the only one that matters. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, my God. It was really funny. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, we are ready to start um, the school semester, I oh guess. Oh boy, what does that look like? Um, it's nerve-wracking. So luckily, I get on campus before a lot of people, and I just go into my office, and I don't really have to leave my office if I don't want to or need to, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Um but my employees are students, and they have to go to, like, class and stuff. Um, right. Yeah. So, I don't know. We also have to do, hand out, like, hundreds of computers to returning and incoming students. Right. So, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. There's always, you know, technical difficulties with that, but now we have this, like, virus looming over everything as well. Right. Yeah, everyone that is... So, seasonal work is definitely, like, 
more aimed towards <laughs> college students who are like <laughs> on their summer breaks. Right. Um, you know, I just decided to make a career out of it. Uh, <laughs> but so we have a lot of people that are leaving as well. And then we also have a lot of people that have just decided that they're not going back to school because they're like, fuck it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you were going to take a semester off, this is the one to take off. Right. But it's just like, you know, they don't know, like, what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Um, Like, nobody knows what's going to happen, whether or not they're going to get all the way out to wherever the fuck they're going to school, and then they're going to be sent back home because, you know, cases spike, nobody knows, um what's going to happen with the government or the country or yeah. <laughs> whether or not there's going to be a literal civil war on outside. Yeah. So, it's things are, uh, things are weird. Not, not great mate. Yeah. <laughs> Could definitely be better, but I mean, I have a lot of hope that people will turn it around and, and hopefully we'll, we'll get out of this mess. I mean, um, we kind of have to, <laughs> or, um, we just slowly die, I guess. Right. It's like one or the other at this point. Like it's really showing its true colors. I'm just like, I miss home and I'm like ready to be back in California and I'm ready for it to be winter again. As much as I love the summertime, I'm ready to like, I don't know, be in a different environment, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Geez, sorry to get all deep <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Everything's bleak and sad right now. Yeah, I can tell you I went on a camping trip, and that was really awesome. I played a game called Three Can, where I systematically chugged 15 beers. Mm. <laughs> and that was fun. Yeah, That's so it's cool. a game, it's like kind of like Pong, and you like stand across from your you stand like with your team and you throw a pong ball at three beer cans on the other end and if you hit somebody else's can like on the opposite end of the table you chug the beer and they the other team has to catch the ball volley it and then touch the table in order for you to stop chugging and the goal is to chug all of the beers on your side as quickly as possible (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i got definitely hammered but i drank like a whole pedialyte to myself like (laughs) it's like three servants but i just drank the whole thing before i went to bed so i was okay yeah that's how you do that but yeah yeah well good job bud way to be thanks (laughs) (laughs) at least at least it's something a little bit uh more fun and upbeat than you know the end of the world (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i've done something fun i just can't remember i guess (laughs) Um, i feel that we're doing a burlesque show in september so um my life is completely consumed by that right uh yeah is that how are you gonna are you just doing it at hay camp or is everything like pretty much still open in south dakota or um things are like half open i guess i don't know i honestly don't know because i don't go anywhere but the grocery store and work so um, (laughs) not really sure but we for the show um we're not doing we're doing a lot less seating um only tables 
um, like no standing room, no general admission. Um, right. Like we'll have masks available and, um, you know, hand sanitizer and things like that. So. Right. Cool. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. We'll also be, fun. um, doing virtual tickets too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I think that's kind of like a big thing that we've seen is like innovation with people that have, uh, kind of come to terms with the way, like this is the way that things are going to be now. And so it's like all about like creating spaces with preventative measures Yeah. while still, I mean, trying to like be as close to normal as possible. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. just so weird. I'm sure everyone feels this way. It's just so weird to like try to go about your life, but keeping in mind that, you know, people are dying every day, uh, for going right. about their lives. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, um, very, uh, confusing time. To be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get into, um, both our stories about alien abduction and, uh, the government admitting they don't know what's in the sky, I want to tell you a fun story. Okay, go for it. So I went to Idaho Falls with my friend Jenny yesterday, and I'm pretty sure that we got abducted by aliens on the way there. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and this was her suggestion, not mine. And then when I started thinking about it, it was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, now, there are a handful of things that could explain the way that we were feeling, um, which I will get into in a moment. Um, essentially we went to Idaho Falls. Idaho Falls is like two hours from Jackson. Uh, Jackson is about 45 minutes from us, especially when you drive the way that I do. Um, and so right, right. I, uh, we drove to Jackson. We like got to Teton Pass, which is absolutely, it's such a shitty fucking pass. And like, I had three cylinders in my car. I was literally going 25 miles up the 10% grade. The entire time, which definitely did take a lot of time, but you make it up going, you know, 60 miles an hour down the mountain on the other side. Right. And it was just such a long drive. We were like, oh my God, like, how is this taking so long? Because we left at like probably like 1130 and we ended up getting there at like 330 or something like that. So it just like, it took definitely like an extra amount of time. And when we got there, like... I remember, like, turning to Jenny, like, do you remember, or, like, do you ever, like, when you're driving your car and you just forget that you were driving and then all of a sudden here you are driving your car? <laughs> like, does that ever happen to you? And she's like, yeah, dude, all the time. And it's like, it's kind of how I feel right now. And then both of us, like, okay, so we don't have Taco Bell and Jackson, so obviously we went to Target to, like, you know, run our errands, whatever. And then we went to Taco Bell, and while we were in the Taco Bell drive through we were just laughing uncontrollably, like, it was just, I felt, like, stoned, and I definitely, like, did not, you know, partake in the marijuanas, and then the weirdest part about it was that when we were driving home, it was like we got there so much quicker. Oh. Do you know what I mean? And we just both felt super weird, and then Jenny, who says that she never ever gets carsick, got carsick. And, like, oh, almost no. threw up in my car. Yeah. 
It was really weird. weird. <laughs> and since we're on the topic, I figured I'd share because that was yeah. her suggestion. She was like, bro, what if we literally just got abducted by aliens? I mean, we did just watch the first episode of, because she's never seen it before, so we started at the very beginning, but we watched the first episode of uh, X-Files where they lose like nine minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they get abducted by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> So she was like, that was definitely fresh in her mind. Like, bro, what if we got abducted by aliens <laughs> just now? So, did you check yeah. your body for like implants? Uh, no, but I have so many like bumps and bruises and mosquito bites that I really don't think I would recognize it, anyways. How convenient. I know, dude. It's like they know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should look into how many abduction stories happen in like the summer versus like the winter well that would be a fun statistic for sure yeah well (laughs) jumping right into it uh something pretty i mean at the beginning of all of this shit (laughs) right right when things started getting real crazy something happened (laughs) um so we're gonna go ahead and talk about the pentagon released ufo videos yeah Um, and this is the story that made us want to do a ufo series yeah because it like hit so close to home this like literally this is coming from an article that was published in april of 2020 so that's this year um stating that on monday which i don't know what that day was but at the beginning of april the or the middle of april rather Kind of the end, almost, actually. (laughs) On Monday, the Department of Defense formally released three Navy videos that contain unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh, Enthusiasts were encouraged, though there was nothing new. Um, So saying that, um, and we'll, we'll kind of get into it, these videos were originally published in 2017 and 2018 by the New York Times in a company called to the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, <laughs> <laughs> which we'll talk about in a moment here. Um, but essentially, what happened was there are three videos that came out that were, like I said, originally published in 2017 and 18 by New York Times and uh, the TTS Academy, <laughs> I guess you could say, um, or TTSA, that show, if you watch the videos, it's essentially these, like, fighter pilots, like, dude-broing each other about (laughs) these strange objects in the sky. Um, And noting a couple of things that are really important, two of which happened in the summer of 2014 and March of 2015, and this was over the East Coast off of a airline carrier called the Theodore Roosevelt. Um, And... So original. Essentially... (laughs) <laughs> what? So original. <laughs> Honestly, I'm a pretty big fan of Theodore Roosevelt in some regards. Like, we got the national parks because of him, and now we've got alien sightings because of a, you know, an aircraft carrier named half of him, after him. Um, so, there were strange objects, and they were spinning like a top, and they were moving against the wind, and these were appearing almost daily throughout the summer of 2014, all the way to March 15th. Um, so Navy pilots reported to their superiors that the objects had no visible engine or infrared exhaust plumes, but that they could reach up to 30,000 feet in hypersonic speeds. 
Um, Lieutenant Ryan Graves, who is one of the F-A-18 Super Hornet pilots who was on the Theodore Roosevelt, said that these things would be out there all day. Keeping an aircraft in the air requires a significant amount of energy. With the speeds we observe, 12 hours in the air is 11 hours longer than we expect. So these are like watching that and that's the thing is they're like dude broing each other in the sky but like one of the things is like oh my god like it's moving against the wind do you see that like are you seeing this um and there's a lot of like ways that the government and also like ufo skeptics can be like hey like just because this isn't something that we can necessarily explain doesn't mean that it's like foreign technology and like you know there are other countries working on other things that would like much rather disguise themselves or you know create hubbub so that they can disguise themselves in our airspace so like that's a definite thing um some people have come out and said oh well maybe it was possibly like a commercial drone or things like that um that there were a number of different reports saying that they saw the same thing um, and that essentially what they had said was, we don't know who's doing this. We don't have enough data to track it. So the intent of the message to the fleet is provided is to provide updated guidance on reporting procedures for suspected intrusions into our airspace. So the Pentagon essentially wasn't saying this is an alien. <laughs> they were, however, saying that this was possibly an aerospace threat. Um, now, I believe, wasn't last episode, but the episode before that, we talked a little bit about plot Project Blue Book, which, of course, was the Air Force's uh, project to study UFOs and UFO uh, stories and sightings and to like do investigations into that well apparently <clears throat> the pentagon also had a a program that was similar to project blue book called the advanced aerospace threat identification program and this analyzed radar data video footage and accounts provided by senior offers oh, sorry i can't talk again <laughs> today <laughs> Um, by senior officers from the Roosevelt. Um, Louis Elzanado was a military intelligence official who ran the program until he resigned in 2017 and called the sightings a striking series of incidents, according to the New York Times article. Huh. So yeah. when you um, when you said um, that there were multiple, multiple reports stating the same thing, um, were any of those reports civilians, or were they all... No, so this was all just the reports that were coming from the Roosevelt <clears throat> by okay. the Navy pilots that were, okay. like, running training exercises. Um, and the Navy pilots, um, like I said, according to this article, spoke out about the objects that seemed to defy the laws of physics. Right. Um, and once again, we're, like, referring to, oh, it's spinning against the wind, <laughs> like, it's moving against the wind, and the wind is blowing very hard, especially if you're up at 30,000 feet, like, that's a lot. <laughs> right. Um, also, it's important to note that um, towards the end of 2015, that uh, aircraft carrier was launched to go to, I believe it was, I have it written down here, just a moment. 
they went to the Middle East. I can't remember. Oh, Iraq and Syria. So they were doing bombing missions in Iraq and Syria. And pilots said that once they had left American airspace, the incidents tapered off. So it was definitely something that, like, it wasn't attached to the aircraft carrier, which is, like, something that someone could say. Like, it wasn't attached to the aircraft carrier itself. Right. Like, the fact that there was pilots around, it was definitely, like, an American airspace thing. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, a little bit about the um, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or the AATIP. The AATIP. (laughs) AATIP. So, it was actually began in 2007 and was initially largely funded at the request of Harry Reid, who was a Nevada Democrat who was the Senate Majority Leader for... um, for that time, um, and he had a long interest in space phenomena, I guess, <laughs> which is another thing. It's like another Nevada thing. <laughs> like right. This person. Uh, there is a pattern. Aliens in Nevada are synonymous, essentially. Yeah. Um, so this is the program that was monitoring that, and this is kind of, I guess, the program that technically took over when Project Blue Book I mean, I guess, dissolved for the most part. Like, it's kind of like, even though Project Blue Book said that it was officially no longer receiving funding, like, we can always assume that there was always going to be a program that kept going. Like, for example, this effort ended after five years in 2012. However, um, there are people that say that it is still functioning. It's just not getting huge amounts of money. Okay. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, so it's not, like, a black book kind of black hole like Area 51 is. Like, it's, like, something that was documented, although it was harder to find. It was, you know, it's just kind of like the X-Files. It's just sitting on the back burner. Right. It is the X-Files. It pretty much (laughs) is the X-Files. It's literally, I mean, there's not any, you know, like, cryptids or you know, Jersey Devils or whatever. That we know of. That we know of on this. Yeah, we just know that it is a shadowy five-year Pentagon program um, that claims to recover metal alloys from unidentified phenomena. Hmm. So that's another thing. I don't really know what that means other than to say that they (laughs) perhaps received, you know, materials from crash sites. Yeah. So the government probably does know more yeah. than it's saying. Yeah, that kind of um, leads one to believe that they do. <laughs> right, exactly. And so that's kind of where we where we transition into the next half of this, which is the involvement of a very important <laughs> celebrity to at least my upbringing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Good old Tom DeLong. DeLong. Yeah. Tom DeLong. 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 I think it's just DeLong. DeLonge. 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 I just, he, there was a a quote about the release of these, and it's like, oh God, let me see if I can find it in my tabs here. Um, In an emailed statement, DeLong called the Pentagon's release monumental news that removed doubt around the authenticity of evidence in the public domain. 
We believe that this level of recognition is exactly what is required to eliminate the extreme skepticism surrounding EAP events, so we can finally move forward to sharing and analyzing reliable data from respected institutions, he said. After 70 years of misinformation, it's time that we make progress to understand the extraordinary technology being observed during these events. Like, I know that he doesn't sound like that anymore, right. but there's just something in my mind that automatically associates it with, like, yeah. late 90s, early 2000s server talk. And I just can't, like, I read that, and it's like, Tom DeLong said that. Yeah. Tom DeLonge said yeah. that. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, what Tom DeLonge also, you know, said, or was part of, is I, I'm gonna fuck your mom in the ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's a thing. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so I guess, I guess it is. But anyways, so, Tom DeLonge. Yeah. So, I do want to start this by saying, um... I remember when Tom left Blink-182 and he started Angels and Airwaves. Right. Um, I wonder what that's a reference to. Right. Um, <laughs> but I do remember hearing that the reason he left was, like, to pursue aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just information that I, I took and I held it and I was like, that's weird, but okay, sure. Right, um, right. And then I didn't think about it anymore until this year when the videos were released and my friend Aaron, like, brought it up again. Like, oh, yeah, you know, like, Tom had a lot to do with that. And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what? He really Excuse did. This is weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we have a timeline, um, and this is from Billboard, so we did not collect any of this information because that absolutely that is too much work (laughs) yeah out here doing the lord's work because i really can't imagine investing that much time in putting together a list but it's great yeah so this um timeline and i'm just gonna you know go through with what they have because it's really comprehensive and it breaks everything down um but they start with um wanting to point out that in 99 when Blink-182 released their third studio album, Enema of the State. Um, The classic. Yeah, you know, close to my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, It, you know, featured that song, Aliens Exist. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. So, you know, just kind of pointing out, like, this has been on Tom's mind way before we knew it was on his mind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, he's deep into it and you know the song talks about like you know this the cia um you know listening in and um it references the majestic 12 we couldn't remember majestic 12 last time <laughs> we made majestic yeah yeah i think not we said it but i don't know <laughs> yeah right. but yeah so m12 for short <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah you know, and that wasn't their first, like, space theme song. That was, no. you know, that one was just, like, very prominent, and it was on, like, their, arguably their biggest album. So, right. there's that. Right. So then, in um, the early 2000s, um, probably around this, this fucking line right here, 
I'm just going to read it. In the clip that mm-hmm. seems like it was recorded in 2001 based on his attire, he's just wearing a black he's... shirt and a beanie. <laughs> yeah, he's Atticus out for sure. Yeah. Um, but he goes on to um, like this little interview thing and he's like really talking about UFO and like the military involvement with um, like UFO cover-ups and such. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he also shows his collection behind him that has um, 136 hours of testimonies from people who have witnessed UFO activity. And he mentions that um, he has like kind of loose friends in the government that they chit chat and talk about UFOs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so the man is very much in the throes of it in the early 2000s. And then, um, he leaves Blink-182 in 2015. Right. Was it 2015? I, I feel like there was a like a gap when like the whole band dissolved. Yeah. And that's when Tom did Angels and Airwaves and then they got back together for like neighborhoods. Okay, 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 okay. And I think that was in 2015. Right. Okay, that makes sense cuz I like I was very young when Angels and Airwaves happened. So Oh, yeah, same. I was like, yeah. "Hold on a second. I'm time warping right now." Maybe you were abducted by aliens. Holy shit. We've all been abducted. <laughs> um, Can I just say, I last since it is the Sturgis Rally, the last time that I went to the Sturgis Rally, I saw Blink-182, and I was I was very disappointed. I love Matt Skiba. I love Alkaline Trio. I do not love this combination of things. Make a different band. <laughs> yeah, for you're real. You're just using that name for clout, and honestly, you're destroying the reputation. Yeah, it's, so. it hurts my feelings. <laughs> right. And I don't like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the guitarist said that burnout and outside interference led the band to split in 2005. Okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds familiar, because I, I was pretty sure that I was still in high school when that happened. Um, but yeah. Because that's not on this as its own bullet point, but that totally happened. Um, right, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's... And that's when they came... Yeah, they came back together for the first time in eight years to release Neighborhood. And then they... And then he was like, nope, JK, I'm going to go fight aliens instead. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so then in 2015, <clears throat> Tom's manager emailed like the rest of the group... Um, explaining that he would rather work on non-musical endeavors for the foreseeable future, uh, which sounds so silly to me. Like, why didn't he just, like, say, hey, guys, I can't anymore? <laughs> it, right. It's weird that his manager did it, I guess. I just, I remember that there was, like, a lot of shit that was, like, going on with them when they first broke up. Um, so I feel like... There's definitely, like, a possibility that he just didn't want to, like, involve himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're probably but, right. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll never so. know, probably. Yeah. Um, he also tweeted in 2016 
because I guess there was a bunch of media saying a bunch of things about why he left Blink-182, so he had to, like, make it... Like, maybe that he was doing it to hunt aliens? Yeah. So then he had to, like, make it known that he's like, don't believe them. I didn't quit Blink-182 to work for the government. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) But, I mean... However... (laughs) Kind of, though... (laughs) Uh, yeah. So later in 2015, like the next month in February, <laughs> um, he was talking to Paper Mag um, and he said that he made contact with aliens. Um, so during his interview, he was talking about how he was camping uh, at a secret base on the flight path to Area 51. Um he, he was told that by shutting down his mind and projecting his thoughts, he would be able to achieve extraterrestrial communication. And then he woke up at 3 a.m. and he felt strange. And he said that his whole body felt like it had static electricity and it sounded like there were 20 people there talking. And he's like, instantly, my mind goes, okay, they're at our campsite. They're not here to hurt us. They're talking about shit, but I can't make out what they're saying. And they're, like, working on something. Right. Um, so I didn't read that interview, but it seems like a fucking weird thing to bring up. <laughs> yeah. He, this whole timeline, this whole Tom DeLonso, like, it literally goes back and forth. Like, you want, you listen to him talk about things, and he's actually very, like, despite the accent, he's actually very eloquent. Yeah. And, like, very knowledgeable about, like, what he's talking about. Like, obviously, he's, like, started an entire company whose website I am reading as we're going through this, <laughs> and it's very interesting, to say the least. Um, but, yeah, he's just... I don't know. The whole thing's a little bit weird to me. Yeah, it is. It's it's weird, but then, you know, we have, like, current times. It's like, obviously, he's achieving some things. I guess. So. But I think that he's thinking that he's actually going to, like, pressure the government into giving him information so that he can actually manifest and create technology out of alien technology that's been found. <clears throat> is I think what his goal is, hmm. and and I don't think that that's a thing that's going on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, because in late 2015, uh, Tom founded um, to the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, and their mission statement is to be a powerful vehicle for change by creating a consortium among science, aerospace, and entertainment. That will work collectively to allow gifted researchers the freedom to explore exotic science and technologies with the infrastructure and resources to rapidly transition them to products that can change the world. I wonder why entertainment was thrown in there. Um, when you look at his, uh, the To The Stars website, um, there's also a focuses on three areas essentially connect and study anomalous data to develop technology related to findings and three explain to humanity through story so i think that's largely the entertainment portion oh, okay yeah talking yeah. about <clears throat> movies and books and stuff 
Yeah. Okay. I thought it was like a band camp, but you have to believe in aliens to join it or something. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> but no. Um, but when you look at like his like <coughs> executives and his like people that are, you know, part of his company is like uh, founded influential rock bands Blink-182 and <laughs> Angels and Airwaves co-creator or sorry, co-author of 12 books ranging from novels to children's stories, uh, creator of award-winning animation, Poet Anderson, The Dreamwalker. Huh. Seems cool. He's got a lot of doctors. Yeah. Uh, CIA oh, officers. Um, his wife, obviously. Right, duh, yeah. Because you gotta, you know. Um, professor of military and emergency medicine. Uh, biomedical research attorney. It looks like it's a bunch of old dudes and then two women. <laughs> yeah, one of whom being his wife. Yeah. <laughs> Which... But at the same time, like, these are people, like, this is a former CIA counter-biological weapons program, recipient of CIA's Distinguished Career Intelligence Medal, DNI, National Intelligence Service Medal, 30-plus years at the Central Intelligence Agency, 12 years in the CIA's Counter-Biological Weapons Program, U.S. Government National Security Consultant, uh, 20 years in the federal government under Clinton. Like, these are, like, pretty high commendations for people. Right. For sure. They're not just crackpots. Yeah. They're not just crazy people. They're also they're scientists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not, not only are they crazy people, they're also scientists. <laughs> no. I mean, I don't think that they're, I don't think that they're crazy. I don't but think so I either. I also recognize that their entertainment partner is the History Channel, so you really can't. Uh, yeah. If this series has taught me anything, it's that I think the History Channel is just not... Government propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's complete bullshit. Yeah. Honestly. I, I'll never yeah. trust it again. I, yeah, it's no longer a credible source for me. No, not at all. <laughs> I think it's like, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but it was National Enquirer that back in the day was posted a bunch of weird stories, and I'll get into that. Um, but yeah, it's like the modern day National Enquirer. Hmm. Hmm. It's just what ifs. It's a whole lot of what ifs and also celebrity bullshit. Neat. And sensationalism. <laughs> I just I really can't get behind the History Channel at this point anyway. Yeah, it's weird. Anyways. Yeah. So back to Tom. So then in 2016, he was wrapped up in the WikiLeaks stuff. Because um, there right. was a whole email chain between Tom and Podesta Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, um, and apparently they both share like a, a like a shared interest in intellectual life and greater government disclosure. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Tom revealed that he had <coughs> been working with um, a former Air Force major. Uh, I fucking hate how this article refers to him as the rocker. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, So this Air Force major uh, helped the rocker assemble his UFO advisory team. Um, So, yeah, that's how he got a lot of those people um, to be. Nice. Yeah, which is is cool. I like it. 
I love that whoever's on the research team for Billboard is also, you know, 75 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rocker. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Tom also told Podesta that he would like to introduce him to two <laughs> officials who were in charge of most fragile divisions as it relates to classified science and DOD topics. So, yeah, you know, they were just chit-chatting about general UFO stuff. Nice, yeah. Yeah, and that Seemed was... pretty pretty vague yeah. for the most part. It wasn't anything like... It was like just two bros chit-chatting. <laughs> just two guys dude-broing about <laughs> UFOs in the yeah. sky. <laughs> and... Seems like a pretty common thread with this one. Yeah, and apparently Podesta felt it was necessary to use his work email for that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that was what was probably publicly available to Tom. Yeah, probably. I would have been like, here's my personal account. Please don't email me here. Right. This is my work email and this is a government account. Please do not email me. (laughs) Yeah, things are getting weird. Right. So then in uh, early 2017, Tom received the UFO Researcher of the Year Award, which I didn't know existed. (laughs) Right. Um, apparently, it's Neither did I. it's openminds.tv gave Tom the honor of the 2017 International UFO Congress. Um, hmm. He did not accept the award personally, um, but he did submit a video, um, you know, for his acceptance. And he mentioned that his work isn't done and he's still going to like continue to educate people and um, just look further into UFO stuff. So... Right. Um, you can also watch that video that's available. So, when was the last time anyone saw Tom DeLong outside? Some might say never. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. Uh, so then, so, in so um, December of 2017, to the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, his company, I guess, um, right. they released UFO quotes evidence so the footage of declassified military videos was released um at the same time as this new york times article talking about them and Mm -hmm. um the visuals like they weren't super clear enough to like really say one way or the other if they were ufos or what they really were um the videos were from 2004 and they show a white oval object moving quickly and erratically And it's one of the videos that was, you know, this year came to light as being a UFO. Um, But he, you know, he pushed that out in 2017 and was like, look at this. Um, Right. So, yeah, he's been, like, pushing for this for for that long. Right. And then... And this, um, the video that they were, or the, the one that they were talking about was the one that happened over the Pacific, which was 2004. Um, and that one, like two Navy air people like saw it at the same time. Like they were both, they were both witnessing it. Like, Oh my God, what's going on? And you can like see them talking about it. Yeah. The videos are available like everywhere. everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they're kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and then, I guess, just for everybody's knowledge, this is included. Um, in 2018, uh, Tom 
gets called out that his to the stars of arts and arts and science to the stars academy <laughs> of arts and science <laughs> had accumulated um a 37 million dollar deficit um and then tom was like this is a blatant lie we never even raised that much money how could we possibly have spent that much money mm-hmm. um pretty easily tbh yeah <laughs> Yeah, really. I mean, people do it all the time. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you know, that's just thrown in there as a weird thing, I guess. Um, right. And then in 2019, Tom announces that he is taking part in a whole ass UFO series with, you guessed the it, the History Channel. The History Channel. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's a six-part uh, series, and it's called Unidentified, colon, Inside America's UFO Investigation. I think that it's funny that you said unidentified, colon, <laughs> and then the immediate word following that is inside America's UFO. <laughs> I know. It felt inside really weird saying it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. Butt jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, he's part of that. Um, I haven't watched it. There's a clip of it that I also haven't watched because I just I after the whole ancient aliens thing. Um, Dude, subjecting myself to that shit was like the worst fucking thing I've ever. Yeah, done. Yeah, I need some time away from that. However, I totally will be watching this six part series probably in like November or something when it's cold and desolate. Maybe when February. Maybe I'll do it in February. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Let me put that on my schedule. <laughs> yeah, the first So yeah. The first blizzard in February, that's what I'm doing. Right. So, I mean essentially Tom DeLong is was one of the first media outlets his TTSA. Yeah. Or, right. TS. No, TTSA. Right. Yeah, right. There it is. Um, <laughs> his organization was one of the first media organizations to air this footage that was released and unclassified by the government back in 2017. However, it took them until April, like I said, of 2020 for the Pentagon to actually come forward and be like, yeah, we looked at them. We don't know what they are, but. You know, we don't know that they're aliens, but we also don't know what they are. They sure are unidentified. The videos are real. They are unedited. This is actually what our, you know, officers saw in the sky. And that's what we're working with. Yeah. (laughs) Essentially. Yeah. So, and, and then I don't think they've really said much since then. No, I mean, the whole world kind of speaks for itself right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I think UFOs are probably on the very bottom of people's list. Which is unfortunate. It is. But I get it. I it's just such a weird dedicate. year. <laughs> yeah. I think, and, and I don't know, it'll probably just get weirder. Let's also just think about the fact that it is currently August, and these videos were released in April, <laughs> or confirmed in April, May, June, July. Oh, that was four months ago. Not four years, like it seems. Yeah. But it was only four years ago, or four months ago. So, like, there is still time for this to become a thing. Like, 
situations manifest over years, yeah. not just, you know, sometimes uh, weeks take decades and mm-hmm. sometimes decades, you know, take weeks. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's been a fucking weird yeah. year, man. Yeah, you can say that again. It's been a fucking weird year, man. Yeah, you can say that again. I don't want to. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was trying to. That's to that's just the rest of the episode. <laughs> just fade off into <laughs> silence. You can say that again. Ah, like, oh, there's a glitch of the matrix. Ah! Yeah, so that is um, the newest UFO news, and obviously mm-hmm. people see UFOs um, all the time. Like I did, just for funsies, not even for this podcast, just for funsies. Um, I was tooling around on YouTube to see, like, um, if there are any new UFO stuff or, like, who's seeing what and if people are talking about it. And there are, like, videos that, um, like, compilation videos of all of the UFO sightings that have been reported or put out on the internet just this year. Mm -hmm. There's, like, a whole Mm -hmm. ass video that's just, like, I guess every month they just add more videos to it, so. Right. Those ones are not confirmed or anything. That's just, you know, whatever people put on YouTube, but. Right. But yeah, that's that. Hell yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. And, I mean, speaking of people seeing stuff all the time, sometimes it goes even one step farther and people become abducted or say that they have become abducted yeah. and like we were saying this has happened for a very long time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh do you want it do you want to go first or do you want me to go first yeah i can go first so that being said it's been happening for a very long time all the way back in the 1960s yes yes uh so one of the most famous abduction uh stories is betty and barney hill um which I didn't know about until I watched American Horror Story because in the second exactly. season. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. I yeah. thought that you had just found it like some other way, but no, it's no, like no, 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 no. <laughs> it was all American Horror Story. <laughs> yeah. For Asylum. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kit and Alma were their names in American Horror Story, right? Right, and it was flipped. So in in the real life story. Uh, Barney is African-American and Betty is white in American Horror Story Asylum. Alma is African-American and Kit is white. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah. Um, It was sometime in September 1961 um, in the New Hampshire's White Mountains when Betty and Barney Hill were cruising around and they saw a strange light in the sky and they thought it was following them. So they were, like, hurrying home, like, what the fuck is going on? Um, And they arrived home by morning, and they thought they were, like, everything was cool and whatnot, but they had all these unanswered questions. And I'll get further into it. I'm just setting up the story here. But (laughs) um, their watches weren't working. Barney's shoes were, like, all beat up um, for seemingly no reason. And, like, Betty's dress that she was wearing was torn, and they could not figure out what the fuck so they reached out to a psychiatrist um 
to help them figure out what happened. And through their mm. therapy, they started to remember things. They had like these recovered memories. Um, and then they remembered that there were these gray beings with large eyes that walked them onto this big old metallic disc and they got mm. examined and um, these gray beings like erased their memories so they wouldn't remember it. Mm. And Project, Project Blue Book actually ended up investigating this um, as well because uh, mm. the whole thing became like this widely publicized alien abduction story and... You know, some right. people believe them, of course, and some people think that they were lying or that they were, like, sleep-deprived while they were driving or, you know, whatever right. other thing. Um, so their recovered memory, this is how <clears throat> they piece Mammary. together. Memories. boobs. <laughs> 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 this is how they, um, <laughs> this is how they piece together what happened. So... They had been married for just over a year, and they both, like, worked really hard, like, civil servant jobs, and um, one weekend they were like, fuck it, let's get out of town, like, I can't, I need, I need a break. Um, right. And they just, you know, chalked it up to, this will be our late honeymoon, let's go through Montreal and Niagara Falls, and, you know, let's just have this beautiful weekend. Um, and they decided so fast that they didn't like really plan anything they even couldn't make it to the bank before it closed for the weekend like they were just fuck it get in the car let's go um mm -hmm. so on the last day when they're heading home you know they had this whirlwind weekend and um you know they're exhausted they're at a diner getting ready to get on the road chugging coffee um they said they left the diner around 10 and that would have put them at their home at like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. at the latest if they like took their time. But um, like 70 miles or so away from the diner, they started seeing this light and it was um, like zigzagging and it was flying really erratically and it was like disappearing behind trees, but then appearing again. And they were like, what the mm -hmm. fuck? And they pulled over a few times to look and see what was going on because they were like, maybe we're imagining that it's following us maybe it's like a satellite i don't know what's going on um right <clears throat> and they were looking through binoculars and um as they were looking through it they could see that this white light was coming from this object that was spinning in the air um and they're like what the fuck this is weird let's get the fuck out of here so they take off but then um the object appears hovering over the trees like it's lowered itself it's hovering above the trees now and like it just like reappeared all quickly so barney who's driving like slams on the brakes and he's like fuck this i gotta figure this out so he's in his car um he has a concealed gun and he's just gonna shoot this fucking thing so he grabs it and he like steps out and he's like kind of looking you know like at it because it's fucking crazy mm -hmm. and he sees behind these windows that the object has that there are these gray uniformed beings looking at him <clears throat> and he couldn't lift his gun like he physically couldn't and then he heard a voice that for some reason told him to not put down his binoculars so he freaked out as one does during a situation like that. Right. And he starts yelling 
and he's like running back to the car and Betty's in the car the whole time watching everything and keeping her eye on Mm -hmm. the disc as Barney's running and um, she starts to hear like this weird beeping like a rhythmic beeping coming from the trunk of their car and yeah she's like what the fuck is this and then at that same time they both kind of felt drowsy and passed out and then when they came to they had lost two hours and they were 35 miles away from where they had been dude that's what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) right i'm just kidding Um, yeah so when they got home you know they're freaked out they're like what the fuck happened um so at this point betty like can't let it go and she starts checking out a bunch of books from the library and she's researching ufos and she's you know, she reported her sighting to the Air Force because she was, like, nervous. Like, did we get radiation? What is this thing? Um, right, right. Hello, I would like the number for the manager of the government, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, starting around then, Betty starts having, like, super fucked up dreams. She's not sleeping well. She starts to kind of lose her mind a bit. Um, Barney is, he has developed an ulcer and he has like raging anxiety. They're both becoming like non-functional and they're like, we got to reach out for help. So that's why they worked out to Benjamin Simon, who was a psychiatrist, a neurologist, and he specialized in hypnosis. So it's, um, with Simon's help that they piece together what happened after they seemingly passed out and when they woke up. So they both... <clears throat> remember being escorted onto the disc like the beings came out and like corralled them onto the disc and then separated them um, and they each got their own exam um, and they both said the same that they remembered the same thing that there was like an examination room that had curved walls and had like a large light and they were told to climb onto like a really short metal table their clothes clothing was stripped Um, these beings took hair samples and took nail clippings and skin scrapings and, you know, stored them all in their own little glass jars. Um, they had like these needles that were connected to long wires that probed their heads and their spines and their limbs. And then Betty also had a long, like a six inch long needle, um, inserted into her belly. And she remembers like it was very painful and you know, just straight up not having a good time with it. And they both remember that um, during their separate examinations, there was, like, a leader figure that was, like, overwatching everything and standing off to the side. Hmm. So somehow these beings were able to communicate with them. The article I read didn't really go into that. I'm curious. Um, I think Betty and Barney... I think the only... What? The only thing that I had seen is that it was possibly that it was um, mental, uh, uh, tele- tele- telepathic, telepathic communication. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They wrote a book, so maybe it says in there. Um, right. But they, these beings apparently talked to Betty um, and they were like, mystified because Barney's teeth could come out of his head (laughs) and she was like oh yeah dentures um people when they're aging get you know shitty teeth sometimes (laughs) 
Um, And she said she remembers like the beings were struggling to understand what aging meant. Um, She also sick. Yeah. (laughs) I wish that that was a problem I had. I know. Right. Hmm, Aging. I don't (laughs) understand what you mean. (laughs) Um, She also remembers that she got to talk to the leader being um, like one on one. They had a little sit down and she asked him where their craft had flown in from because she didn't really know much about the universe and right. the being like joked with her and said if you don't know where you are there wouldn't be any point in me telling you where I am which is like a fun thing I think for an alien yeah. to say <laughs> yeah this is a little jokey boys like <laughs> yeah. what up you've been selected <laughs> For a, uh, you know, a random screening. Yeah. And uh, we're alien boys, and, you know, you really don't know, and that's fun. And that's so hot, dude. Aliens seem cool as shit. I want to get, maybe not. No, I don't know <laughs> that I want any of that. <laughs> we're getting a little ahead of ourselves there. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to be abducted by aliens. Yeah, I don't want to be abducted in general, I think. Yeah, ever. <laughs> By anyone, yeah. including aliens. Yeah. Up to and including aliens. <laughs> For sure. Um, later, <laughs> when Betty was under hypnosis, she like drew a star map um, that she remembers seeing on the ship. Um, I don't know if it indicated where they came from or anything, but she just remembers seeing this map, and she was able to draw it from her recovered memories. Right. So, in 1965... Their story was picked up by the Boston newspaper, and um, at that point, the whole thing just kind of fucking blew up because, you know, people fucking love aliens, and now this story is being pieced together, and, like, everyone's interested. There was a uh, best-selling book that was written about them titled The Interrupted Journey, colon, Two Lost (laughs) Hours Aboard a Flying Saucer. And a movie was made starring James Earl Jones called The UFO Incident. And you can find that full movie on YouTube if you want to watch it. Yeah, it was a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, so it's totally out there. Things were a lot better than they are now. Yeah. Back in the day, I feel like. Yeah, probably. Um, So after their stories went big, um, their story kind of became like the model abduction story um Mm -hmm. so at that point because people were claiming to be abducted before this like they weren't the first ones to report this they were just the biggest ones um but at that point after their story got so big um it now became almost formulaic that when people um had these recovered memories of being abducted that they reported the medical examinations and the missing time and the gray beings with the large heads and eyes became, like, the standard for what aliens looked like. Right. Um, so many psychologists and psychiatrists, they think um, that alien abduction stories are the result of sleep paralysis and hallucinations. Um, they maybe even could be a result of, um, like, getting asked leading questions while under hypnosis which is how a lot of these people recall their abduction stories, you know, is through hypnosis and recovered memories. Um, So Betty and Barney's psychologist, he didn't think that they had made up their story. Like 
he was like they this happened to them from how, what they remember however he thinks that betty had dreamed about it and was so consumed by it that barney had kind of absorbed her story and also believed it like a weird mixture of like created memory and things like that um but over the years they have stuck to their stories and betty um she did like a deep dive into ufo research and she has even claimed that she was visited several more times over the following decades uh, so hmm. that's their story, and I just want to do a quick little blurb from the Mayo Clinic's website about hypnosis, um, just just cause. Right. So this is from. Well, it's something that's very prevalent. I feel like in when you talk about UFOs, like even it's even referenced in the X Files like a couple of times, even like on like the third episode or something yeah. like that. He has to go under hypnosis to remember all of the shit that happened to him while he was in the spaceship. Right. Like, yeah. It's definitely a thing, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Hypnosis is a real thing. <clears throat> and so, they, the way the Mayo Clinic breaks it down, they say hypnosis, also referred to as hypnotherapy. <coughs> Sorry, I'm dying. Um, hypnotherapy, or hypnotic suggestion, is a trance-like state in which you have heightened focus and concentration. Hypnosis is usually done with the help of a therapist using verbal repetition and mental images. When you are under hypnosis, you usually feel calm and relaxed and are more, <coughs> and are more open to suggestions. Hypnosis can be used to help you gain control over undesired behaviors or help you cope better with anxiety or pain. It's important to know that although you're more open to suggestion during hypnosis, you don't lose control over your behavior. Right. So, anything that happens, you are essentially agreeing to. Yeah, it's not like a mind control thing. It's not like right. someone can make you act like a chicken if you don't want to act like a chicken. Right, so it sounds like you wanted to act like a chicken, <laughs> yeah. Karen. Why do you want to act like a chicken, though? <laughs> Why did you want to act like a chicken? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that is Betty and Barney Hill. Um, also, from that article that I read, I got all that information from thehistory.com thing. So, <laughs> thehistory.com. You know, but there's also, like, a little <laughs> hand drawing of what they saw the UFO as. And I will put that on the Instagram because it's, it's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So, cool thing about uh, my story is that the, actually, I hate to start with, uh, with skepticisms, but um, the UFO incident actually aired two weeks before this person uh, claimed his own abduction. Oh. Um, which is funny. So, <coughs> Travis Walton and the UFO incident. <laughs> Um, Travis Walton at the time was a 22-year-old, uh, worker, um, who was, he, uh, I'm, now I can't think of the fucking word. He was a, 
with the trees, axes, uh, cutting down. Lumberjack? He was a logger. Oh, okay. He was a logger. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he was a forestry worker. <laughs> the word is literally written in front of my fucking face. I'm such an idiot. Uh, okay, Travis Walton was a 22-year-old American forestry worker that alleged in 1975 that he, in November of 1975, that he was abducted by aliens for five days in the Apache Sitgraves National Forest, which is near Snowflake, Arizona. Cute. Yeah, adorable. Like, really super sweet. <laughs> so, essentially... The claim is, and the thing is, with Travis Walton, it's all, like, a little bit strange because what happened was he was in a truck with six of his coworkers, so it was a big truck, obviously. Right. Like, a big work truck. And they encountered down the road a saucer-shaped object hovering over the ground approximately 110 feet away. That sounds like a really specific number. Yeah, it does. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it was making a high-pitched buzzing sound. Um, so at this point, Travis Walton jumped out of the truck and approached the object. Uh, a beam of light suddenly appeared from the craft, a blue beam of light, and hit him and knocked him unconscious. Oh my god. Yeah. So, the other six men were frightened <laughs> and were like, fuck this, we're out of so here. So they saw that too. <laughs> yeah, so they saw it too. It wasn't just him. It was like they all saw it and then Travis was like, you know, young gun, you know, whatever, jumped right. out of the truck and was like, I'm gonna go check it out. And then got hit by a blue beam of light and like was knocked unconscious. And then all of his coworkers was like, no, 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 fuck that shit. And so they drove They away. left him? Yeah, so they left oh him. Oh my god. They left him. Rude. Um, and then one of his coworkers drove back like a little while later after everyone had calmed down and was like, mm, maybe we should actually turn around and like try and go see if he's still there. Yeah. <laughs> and if Jesus. he's dead, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and when they went back, he wasn't there. So. Okay. Five days later, he was picked up at a gas station that was like a while, like a ways away. Um, what town was it? It was in Heber. So, um, Walton's 26 year old brother, Dwayne, this is from a Victoria Advocate newspaper article. Um, Walton's 26-year-old brother, Dwayne, who said he found Walton earlier Tuesday slumped in a phone booth in Heber, told the reporter that Walton was telling the truth. Um, He said that he was on the craft, asleep most of the time, and encountered two kinds of creatures, one human, one almost human, and he saw different kinds of craft. Um, They put him to sleep by placing an oxygen mask-like device over his face. Um, and essentially when he was found, he was like, you know, delusional and like, didn't know what the fuck was going on. And like, so like, couldn't, but like after he like had time to collect himself, his story is that, um, after he was knocked out, he woke in a hospital like room and was being observed by three short fetus like aliens. Oh no. (laughs) That were bald and weird and claimed that he fought with them until a human wearing a uh, overalls and a helmet uh, led him to another room where he blacked out as three other humans put a clear plastic mask over his face. 
Walton has claimed he remembers nothing else until he found himself walking along a highway five days later with the flying saucer departing above him. Now, mind you, he was found naked. <laughs> cool, cool. In, at a gas station by his brother, who he called from the phone booth, which is a thing that I feel I like should still exist, personally. Yeah, for real. So, um, a little bit about Travis Walton and what he went on to do. So, uh, call back, like I was saying, the National Enquirer. So the National Enquirer awarded Walton and his coworkers a $5,000 prize for best UFO case of the year after they passed polygraph tests administered by the National Enquirer and the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization. Walton, his older brother, and his mother were described by the Navajo County, Arizona Sheriff as longtime students of UFOs. Some UFOlogists believe Walton was abducted by aliens. Um... UFOlogist Jim Ludith said for five days the authorities thought he'd been murdered by his co-workers and then he was returned. All of the co-workers who were there who saw the spacecraft all took polygraph tests. They'd passed except for one and that one was, was inconclusive. So that was another thing. So we talked about uh, Travis. He was in the spacecraft. All of the shit was happening. Meanwhile, for the five days that he was uh, not there... Um, essentially what happened was they came back, they went to the police and they were like, oh my God, like, what did we just see? Like, and he's not there anymore. So like, we have to tell him. So they told him what happened. Excuse me. They told him what happened. And then, um, like a bunch of people got involved in the investigation and they were like, well, it's like, I mean, that can't possibly be real. Like, and then, um, they all were asked to take polygraph tests to corroborate the idea that their coworker was kidnapped by aliens, abducted by aliens. Cool, cool. And so they all took polygraph tests and they all passed except for one and it was because he was like very much like emotionally shooken up, essentially. Oh. Or at least that is the suggestion is that he was like super emotionally shaken up. Right. So <laughs> this uh Travis Walton went on to, in 1978, write a book called The Walton Experience, detailing his claims, which I don't really understand because there's really not, like, a whole lot to detail outside of what he already told us other than, you know, like, it you know, regular alien abduction stuff, which was, I mean, some people that are skeptical of it say that there's a lot of stuff in the media that could have influenced people, and it was that time where, you know this was very popular and it was very sensationalized in the media and things like that. Um, and then in 1993, there was a film called Fire in the Sky that was released. It was called what? About pictures. Fire in the Sky. Okay, cool. And last night, I watched that movie. Oh, no. Was it good? <laughs> I mean, it was, like, okay, but I already had this image in my mind of just it being kind of ridiculous because it's, like... I don't know because it is <laughs> right. Like, right. Was it um, was it low budget? No, actually, and it had like pretty like good actors in it as well. Boo! Like, it was, like, there was parts of it that was like okay. Um, however, Paramount Pictures decided that Walton's account was too fuzzy and too similar to other televised close encounters that they ordered screenwriter Tracy Torme. To write a flashier, more provocative abduction story, oh. Walton was occasionally um, 
Uh, and also, Walton has occasionally appeared at UFO conventions or on television. He sponsors his own UFO conference in Arizona called the Skyfire Summit. <laughs> 30 years after the book's release, Walton appeared on the Fox game show The Moment of Truth and was asked if he, in fact, was abducted by a UFO on November 5th, 1975, to which he replied, yes. The polygraph test determined he was lying. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I, I've never seen that show, so I have no idea. Um, but like I said, is like, I started off with, like, some of the skepticalism um, of this whole situation. Um, well, so and, like, how, movie, it's... how real is a game show's polygraph test? Right, that's true. But there was also, like, um, when... Like, all of this was going on, like, in the newspaper, it said, um, there was, like, some kind of, like, inconsistencies and things, and, like, um, one of the polygraph tests was, that was, like, came forward and, like, was negative, um, was hidden, and then they had to, like, redo it, and then they said that the polygraph um, is not a, de- a reliable determiner of truth and that Travis Walton was not abducted by aliens. Um, in both cases, the power of deception and self-deception is all we need to understand what really happened in 1975 and after. So like, whew, excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> There's a lot of, um, skepticism just in general. I feel like when you talk about, alien abductions, but in this case specifically because there were so many, like, inconsistencies and things like that. Um, and then, of course, they did win prize money, and even in the movie, it suggested that the, you know, Travis was lying about things to get popularity and reception, and I'm sure if you have Paramount Pictures producing a theatrical released movie, like, you're probably gonna get money out of that. Um, right. But all in all, like, based on the movie and, like, what I saw of, like, little snippets of his book and also, like, claims that he's had in interviews and things like that, the movie is actually, other than, like, the actual UFO experience and, like, being in the UFO from what he remembers, it's pretty good. It's, like, okay. Okay, okay. It's a 1993 movie about an alien abduction, (laughs) you know? Um... (laughs) And it so it started D.B. Sweeney as Travis Walton, who uh, is probably best known for, um, I don't know, he's been on, like, a lot of things, but I can't, <laughs> I can't, like, give one good example of what that, oh, God, he played John Galt in the shitty fucking Amazon Atlas Shrugged miniseries. Oh, I did not watch that. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. I didn't know why. I don't know why I watched it. It was fucking stupid. Um, He was also on 24. He was also on Criminal Criminal Minds. He also was in an episode of Leverage, which was a really good show that I like a lot. Um, Oh, he was in uh, Jericho, which is a great movie series about surviving nuclear holocaust. I highly recommend. Um, Of course you watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Um, and then also uh, Robert Patrick, best known for playing the uh, blah, blah guy in uh, Terminator. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> that, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, I'm right there like, with you. <laughs> okay, cool. That's all I can think of is just the noise that I imagine it makes when he turns from uh, solid into a liquid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so no, it was okay. Um, it wasn't great, but it is also like one of the most well-known abduction stories um, in United States history because of how much publicity it got and like how hard he pushed it afterwards. Right. So, yep, and they still all attest to this day that that's what happened. Huh. So. Hmm. Yeah, that shit's nuts, dude. Yeah, dude. Alien and alien abduction. Aliens. Aliens, indeed. Yeah. Cool. So that's uh, that's the episode. Yeah. Thanks for uh, tuning in to that alien stuff. Um, have you been uh, playing video games? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, same. Yeah, I don't really have time outside of everything else uh which is sad and stupid but it's also like summer so right there's like outdoorsy stuff to be done yeah um i did get in a couple rounds of overwatch recently so that was fun nice yeah heck yeah yeah we've been playing um we have two projectors and two screens so we have been playing uh smash on one side and cart on the other which is pretty fun yeah so yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping really, um, not really not much. By the middle of September my life will be slightly less chaotic. And then I'll get to do yeah. cool stuff again. Yeah. I'm just I'm really ready for the summer to be over. It's like a whole lot more than I anticipated in terms of like workload and also my schedule just changed, so I'm working like eleven thirty to eight PM, which is not great. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. I I work that shift. I don't like it. Nah, I don't mind eleven to seven. Yeah, at all. I don't mind that one. It's because I it's can still okay. do stuff after work. <laughs> right, but it's the it's the full on eight o'clock yeah. where it's like starting to like get dark and shit that I just am like, mm, maybe yeah, not. for especially real, especially coming towards the end of the summer. But yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Um, Next up, we have our listener episode, which is going to be super fun. Um, We're going to talk about all of your guys' fun uh, alien and UFO stories that you have sent in. We have received so many of them. We are so excited to be able to read them on the show. You do still have time to submit them. If you would like us to read your UFO sighting or alien sighting or crazy unexplained phenomena sighting on our show you could definitely reach out to us on twitter and instagram at bite size podcast or you can also email us at our email which is bite sized podcast that's b-y-t-e-s-i-z-e-d podcast at gmail.com um also if you like us 
If you like the show, if you like supporting what we do, definitely check out our Patreon for extra content. You can visit us at patreon.com slash bitesizepodcast. That's B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E podcast. And yeah. Yeah. Thanks again also to our current Patreon subscribers. We've got Beert, Justin J, and Daniel J, who also contribute currently, which is so, so, we're so thankful for that, um, to be able to pay for like our hosting costs and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks guys. Yeah. Uh, please like and subscribe. <laughs> I don't know if you can like podcasts, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you uh yeah, you definitely in uh favorite it, heart it on Spotify, subscribe. Um if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, definitely write us a review, let us know how we're doing. That also helps us with exposure. Um, and yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for being our bite-sized buddy. Thanks for being our buds. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.